Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to a special episode of Chronically Chilled, the 3CR's Disability Day programming. I'm Bridget MacArthur, and today we're going to be talking about disability justice for refugees in detention, with a spotlight on the medevac refugees, roughly 40 of whom are currently imprisoned just down the road in the Park Hotel on stolen Wurundjeri land. I'd also like to observe that the Wurundjeri people themselves have already welcomed the medevac refugees to country, meaning that in the eyes of this land sovereigns, they are allowed to be free so long as they obey local laws. And now, a question. Who listening experienced some form of mandated quarantine in the last 18 months? If you can, I want you to close your eyes and recall that experience. Or for those who didn't, recall some memories of lockdown, isolation, how you felt. When I returned from the UK last year, I had to do a two-week quarantine. I hated it. Now, imagine that time, those feelings, those experiences, stretching over eight years with no certainty as to when it will end and almost no access to medical attention. That's a scenario that Iranian refugee Mohammed Musavi is currently living out, alongside roughly 40 others imprisoned in the Park Hotel after having come to Australia under the Medevac Bill, which briefly allowed for asylum seekers with urgent medical needs to come to shore for treatment before being repealed less than a year into enforcement in late 2019. Now, not only has not one of these individuals received the medical treatment they were promised, approximately 23 of them have contracted COVID-19 in the last month, unsurprising given the venue was deemed unfit for the prevention of COVID outbreaks when it was trialled for use as part of the hotel quarantine initiative. So far from medical support, most refugees have either seen existing disabilities worsen or new ones develop, particularly psychosocial, in detention. We'll be hearing from Muhammad in a moment. This interview does contain reference to self-harm and suicide, which may be triggering to some. While the trauma Muhammad has experienced and is still experiencing is important for us to be made aware of, we don't want to inadvertently traumatise others who may have similar or adjacent personal experiences. Now to the interview. Um, I'd like to welcome Mohammed Musavi to the show. Hi, Mohammed. Hello, how are you? Um, to kick off with, I guess, I mean, I think a lot of people know you guys just as the Medevac refugees, um, but it would be great if you could give us some background on you as an individual, where you grew up, and um, maybe what you've done for work. Uh, I can only say that I grew up in Iran, which is ruled uh, by a, a dictatorial government that kills people easily. And mm-hmm. everyone knows that. And uh, my brother was arrested and sickened under physical torture and hasn't been able to return to a normal life so far. And so you left Iran eight years ago, yes. is it? And you've been in detention yes, that uh, whole time? Yes, uh, uh, about uh, 2012, I fled my country. 
and I came, uh, I've came, came to uh, Indonesia and I really made a mistake to come to Australia, but uh, really I didn't know anything about the rule. Uh, I mean, uh, 19 July, 19 of July, uh, 2013. When I mm -hmm. arrived on Christmas Island, I found out and uh, I, unfortunately it was too late and uh, I didn't have a way back. And uh, the government, Australian government sent us, uh, sent me to the uh, Christmas Island. I, I've been uh, in Christmas Island, uh, in uh, Manus Island for six years. And then uh, I was brought uh, to Australia under the Medivac uh, role. And uh, <clears throat> I again, I made a mistake, really. I made a mistake again to come to Australia again, uh, 2019, under the Medivac role. Uh, we didn't know anything about this situation again of course yeah and i mean you you say you made a mistake but of course it's hard to make decisions without that information to hand yeah if you feel comfortable could you tell us what the health reason was that you were brought here for under medevac i was brought to australia due to uh, mental uh, physical and uh, psychological problem resulting uh, from my detention in PNG, those problems are uh, only increasing during my long detention here in Australia. And I'm suffering now from many illnesses, many, many illnesses. I have problem with my knee, my heart, with distress, my ear, and I've got another problem. I cannot mention it here. And my teeth are completely damaged and need to be repaired. I'm losing control on myself. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, IHMS do not do anything to help me to back of care, to uh, the lack of care I'm experiencing. I cannot cope with this, really. Have you received any medical treatment since no, arriving here? No, I didn't receive any medical treatment here. I didn't see a specialist here. I never seen a, a a specialist here. They, I don't know why they didn't send me to the specialist. When I asked them about the uh, about this uh, this situation, about uh, my problem, they just uh, told me the HMS told me we send your file to the specialist. Yeah, and it's a far cry from I guess what was promised and and even what is kind of currently being told to the public about um, the treatment you guys have received. Yes. And um, when did you first um, hear about COVID-19 as a potential threat? Obviously, there's been the outbreak recently. You know, we, uh, we will destroy everything mentally and uh, physically. There are a lot of people here uh, who don't leave their rooms for days or weeks. Yeah. Were you given um, any support around COVID-19, particularly after the outbreak? How was that dealt with? No, we never get any support from uh, uh, from IHMS. And uh, just uh, when I asked uh, about uh, our pain or uh, uh, some problem like headache or something, it's uh, maybe took a time, uh, one hour or two hours to bring us uh, uh, to Panadol. That's it. Yeah. How do you think the disabilities you've gained in detention will affect you 
in the outside world if and when you hopefully get there i'm i'm getting worse day by day i'm losing my uh, my mind i don't know uh, this is how australia treats me which i need a uh, medical care my stress is killing me i cannot eat or sleep very well i'm scared to get heart attack in detention here i just want to be free even uh, even i i wrote a request a lot of requests to send me back to papua new guinea uh, about uh, 17 months ago 18 months ago i wrote a request uh, to send me back to papua new guinea i don't want to stay here i don't want to stay in the detention please send me back and uh, when I uh, uh, talked to uh, my case manager, my case worker uh, and told me, uh, you have only one option to go back to, uh, to, uh, to the PNG processing center. And I uh, said, yes, I already write a request, a lot of requests, maybe about a hundred requests. Please send me back to Papua New Guinea. I don't want to stay here. But... I haven't got any answer, any clear answer from them. You know, here, here in this situation here uh, for IHMS, uh, if the nurses ask, ask you, how are you? How are you? You have to say, I'm fine. If you don't, they're going to put you two officers to watch you out until uh, you say, okay, I'm okay. I'm fine. But really, I'm not okay. I'm not fine. They're following you, they, uh, they're fo uh, following me uh, or uh, the people who said that I'm not fine or I want to uh, kill myself or I want to uh, uh, suicide myself. They put the uh, two officers uh, uh, to, uh, to watch him out and they follow him in the toilet, in the uh, bathroom, in the room. And every half an hour, uh, they uh, come to your uh, room and, and knock the door with, with making noise. And just uh, they come in uh, with the with the racist behavior. Uh, they just tell you, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" It's uh, it's maybe twenty four hours more than twenty four hours. It uh, took a time for this, and uh, they never leave you until you said, "Yes, I'm okay. Just let me go." Yeah. If you said that, if you said that, they uh, they leave uh, they. Uh, uh, they leave you uh, go. And if you don't, they push more pressure, more mental pressure on you. So the worse you are feeling no, mentally, almost the worse they treat you. Yeah, I, I can call that. Uh, this this is absolutely a torture, but uh, um, I, can, uh, I can call this torture. It's a soft torture. You know, it's exactly soft torture as experience. Uh, both torture, physically torture and soft torture, it's very worse than uh, uh, physically torture because this, uh, in uh, physical torture, somebody uh, walked into your room and started beating you. And after maybe uh, two, three minutes, uh, he leave you uh, alone again. But here, no, they never beat you. They, they never touch you, but they, they play uh, with your mind they they play a game with your mental they push the uh, mental pressure here all the guys all the guys here in hotel and uh, the uh, uh, in the uh, detention center they just thinking about the death 
I know many people here in Australia in uh, in detention center, and I I, I can call this this torture. It's a absolutely soft torture. You cannot you you don't have any defensive power on yourself. Nothing. So how have you been treated for speaking out? Uh, you know, I'm afraid from the ABF and CERCO officers and the IHMS and the immigration. I'm really, they are really massive scary. They are really massive scary. I'm scared from them. When I saw them, I'm, I'm starting shaking my body and my hand. I just want to run away from them. I just want to hide myself in the in the room. I don't want to see see that clothes, see that uniform uh, in the hotel and in the detention because really they are scary, you know. But uh, but I have many friends in Australia. Very many many kind friends in Australia. And uh, they they give us a hope and uh, they support us. They come in here uh, for uh, for a protest uh, here in front of a hotel. I have communicated uh, with many Australians out of here, but the government and this system really they are really really scary. I'm really afraid from them. I just looking for a way to run away from this country, from not this country, from uh, from the ABF and uh, this government. Actually, it's very awful. It's very scary here. I'm all all the time, all of the time. I'm stressed. And you know, many people here wants to go to the third country, as the uh, uh, the minister said that. Uh, yes, I respect to them rule. Is that okay? It is okay. I, I, we all respect them. This is a rule. This is Australian rule. We all never ever settle to Australia, and we know that. So, do do not do. Why you are doing this to us? Send us to the third country. Please accept the uh, New Zealand offer. At least send uh, send us back to the uh, PNG offshore again. At least I was. Uh, uh, we were uh, free in the uh, in the uh, community in uh, uh, PNG. I'm, I don't understand why the government prefer to uh, uh, to keep us in the detention. How how much longer uh, punished for just coming to Australia by boat? Exactly. How much? That's a nine years now. That's my life. The government destroyed all my life. Yeah, and on top of that, I guess all the um, the mental trauma and um, physical disability, I guess that you will take away with you potentially for life. Yeah, we just waiting. We just uh, we just 24, uh, 24, seven hours waiting for a good news, but it never come. You know, it never come. You're listening to a special episode of Chronically Chilled for Three CRs Disability Day. And that was Mohammed Musavi speaking to us from detention in Park Hotel, Swanston Street. I mean, that just is really hard, even listening back to, to be honest. Um, I had my list of questions prepared, as I would for a regular briefing in my day-to-day work. But to be speaking with Mohammed, imagining his conditions just down the road from me, I felt incredibly privileged and honestly somewhat embarrassed, really, at my own perceived hardship under lockdown. Despite having had access to the meds and health services, I need to manage my own chronic condition. But the thing is, that shouldn't be a privilege. The UN Declaration of Human Rights sets out 
healthcare as an individual human right and provides for additional accommodations in case of physical debilitation or disability. Australia likes to say it has a strong and proud record of human rights. As someone who's been the beneficiary of many of the freedoms this country affords, perhaps I would once have agreed, but human rights are apparently not doled out by location. They're not enshrined within our country's borders. Rather, they're conditional on skin color, class, the way you arrived here. A recent report by Melbourne Uni found that the rate of self-harm among people seeking asylum was more than 200 times the Australian community hospital treated rate. In 2016, UNHCR found that 88% of refugees and people seeking asylum on Manus Island were suffering from depression, anxiety, and or post-traumatic stress disorder. It's hard to fathom what Muhammad and his fellow detainees are going through. Maybe that's why the public is still largely unaware of their plight. To try and help make sense of it all and discuss the Refugee Council of Australia's recent submission to the Royal Commission into Violence, Abuse, Neglect and Exploitation of People with Disability, I'd like to welcome Senior Policy Officer Sahar Okovat to the show. Hi, Sahar. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank you for having me. So to jump right into it, can you give us some background into the research and production of what's a pretty hefty submission um, that you've made to the Royal Commission? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we as Refugee Council decided to uh, make a submission to um, Disability Royal Commission to really highlight the issues that people with disability in immigration detention face. Uh, we felt that this issue has not been um adequately explored. Uh, there are a lot of um, issues that people face um, in terms of accessibility, in terms of healthcare. So it was really a good opportunity for us to highlight various gaps and also bringing the voice of uh, the voices of people with lived experiences of disability and detention. Yeah, great. And what, what are some of the key recommendations um, I think, um, I mean, there are a number of um, areas that we look at, but I think the main um, issue when it comes to um, immigration detention in Australia is um, there is no review of the need to detain. Um, detention is mandatory irrespective of people's need and vulnerability. Um, anyone can be detained, anyone who is a lawful non-citizen, uh, if they're a child, if they um, are significantly ill, if they are survivors of torture and trauma, and if they have disability, they, those issues are not even considered um, in the need to detain. Um, so one of our biggest recommendations is um, that Australian government should limit the detention of people with disability to the measure of absolute last resort. We think uh, even though um, immigration uh, detention is um, mandatory, uh, the government can use alternative community alternatives um, to um, lock the detention. Um, and that should be prioritized uh, for people with disability. Uh, we are also asking the Royal Commission to do an interim report on this issue. Um, um, mainly because some of the issues we have raised are quite urgent and quite significant. And we know that Royal Commission is going to um, provide its report in 2023. Um, so that was another recommendation that um, we really wanted uh, to highlight this um, as soon as possible. 
So you were talking about lived experiences, collecting the lived experiences of, of those in detention. What are you seeing going on at the moment? Um, one challenge we faced for this submission was um, we um, we couldn't uh, speak to as many people that um, we wanted to uh, with the experiences of detention and um, disability, mainly because when people are in detention, they are um, usually quite reluctant to speak about their um, experiences. They fear um, uh, that nothing will improve for them and they will only face a repercussion for speaking out. And those who left, um, at times they understandably just want to get on with their lives. Um, so that, that was the area we struggled. But we, what we did was um, we had some really good case studies. We did manage to speak to a couple of people and we complemented that with um, really good feedback we received from people's um, lawyers, from their counsellors, uh, from medical providers and um, supporters, um, just uh, individual supporters. So that really complemented that um, consultation for us and provided a really good picture of what's happening um, in detention and I think for me what uh, thing that um, stood out was um, just that indefinite nature of detention and that at times um, people with disability uh, and we have provided a few examples in the submission have been in detention and uh, in locked onshore detention for um, nine ten years um, and that's um, quite um, significant uh, period of time and the other point is that lens um, and uh, sorry that risk-based um, perspective and uh, that lens into management of detention there are a number of um, cases and examples where um, people's uh, behavior is because of their distress, um, because of their um, psychosocial disability, but they are just merely seen as uh, behavioral issues, as people being aggressive or people acting out. Um, so that really, that holistic um, view is not provided, that people are not, uh, the, the fundamental issues are not really seen um, and people do not receive a proper care, um, which at times is really uh, not possible when someone remains in immigration detention. Yeah, you touch on the indefinite length. The government made an amendment to the Migration Act earlier this year, is that right? And a potential effect of that uh, is to kind of push for it to be longer periods of detention, potentially. What are those uh, disability-related effects? Yeah, so the effect of um, indefinite detention is just uh, the declining mental health. And um, I think um, a few months ago, there was a uh, freedom of information uh, request um, that was responded to. And it was um, asking how many people with disability are in detention as of June 2021, if I'm not mistaken. And the number was 130. So that's 10% of population in um, onshore detention. Uh, but really, I think um, that's an understatement uh, because the way um, disability is identified and measured is um, when people arrive, um, they are not um, um, assessed at um, 
various intervals and be know if someone um, arrives in detention and then spends 10 years in detention, their mental health decline, um, and then they will get to a point that it will present as a barrier to them uh, them uh, living independently. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's why I think um, um, we have people who entered um, detention with disability and then they have people who developed disability because of that indefinite detention. Yeah, yeah. The situation currently is obviously so awful and um, when we spoke to Muhammad and he was telling us how when they are asked if they're fine, they have to say, yes, they're fine. Because if they hint at being not fine or being suicidal, they get followed around, followed to the toilet, woken up every half hour to check that they're not going to kill themselves. Why isn't the government and the Australian border force being held to account for the current conditions? And why don't we really know about it? Um, that's a good question and I don't unfortunately I don't think I have an answer for it because that's my question too I mean we try really hard to at least um, document and try to uh, put these issues on record Um, um, there are some um, senators in uh, the parliament who ask really good questions in the senate um, estimates um, to understand what's happening in detention, ask really good questions through um, questions on notice. And they are uh, they really help us in understanding um, the situation a little bit more. We always go through those questions and um, find really good answers. Um, there, there are some positive um, steps, like um, obviously we have Australian Human Rights Commission who provides really good reports into the situation of um, onshore detention. But unfortunately, again, doing an analysis of their um, uh, reports, a lot of the uh, recommendations they make to the government are either uh, rejected outright or they are not implemented, even though they are accepted in principle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Australia in 2017, at the end of 2017, ratified the optional protocol into convention against torture that um, provides um, more monitoring uh, into places where people are deprived of liberty and one of those places um, are federally controlled uh, immigration detention centers so they they are the positive steps but then if they are not resourced um, properly and more importantly if they are not um, the recommendations are ignored um, they are just uh, reports that are sitting there. Um, and all of this is just um, adds to that lack of transparency and the secrecy that is around uh, the operation of immigration detention. And now that you've made the submission, what happens next? And, and I guess, what can the general public um, or listeners do? We are hoping to use this uh, submission to um, really um, start a conversation, a very targeted conversation with uh, Australian Border Force, with detention service management and providers um, to uh, ensure that the situation improves for, uh, for people with disability. Obviously, we appreciate any support uh, that uh, Royal Commission can provide in um, highlighting this issue whenever it uh, publishes its report or if it decides to do an interim report. Um, and then, um, 
I think the general public, it's just um, in a democracy, it's all about asking questions from our uh, members of parliament. Um, um, if, if things are unacceptable, we should question them and we should ask, why is it like that? Why people uh, with disability are being punished? Um, why are we not pushing for a, a review of the need to detain? Um, we know people with disability are in detention. We don't think that's okay. Um, we know there are valid, uh, cheaper community alternatives to locked detention with appropriate reporting in place um, if they are concerned um, politicians about risks. Um, why don't we use them more freely? So these are all conversations that people can have um, with their elected representatives. That was Sahar Okavat, Senior Policy Officer at the Refugee Council of Australia. If you are wanting to take action, you can also join us on Human Rights Day next Friday, the 10th of December from 6.30 p.m. outside the Park Hotel to show your support for refugee rights. To paraphrase Para de Elme woman, Elena McDonald, whose words have been the inspiration for today's Disability Day special at 3CR, our world is held in intersectional collective liberation. One out, all out. If today's program has caused any distress, please call Lifeline on 131114 or contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Chronically Chilled will be back broadcasting on 3CR in 2022. You can listen to us on the first Wednesday of every month or via the podcast.